next sound is perhaps the most frightening of all. We've absolutely no explanation as to what made it or what it represents. master tape of these recordings was passed to the BBC and they analysed it thoroughly. This is what one of their engineers had to say about it. Well I've listened to it myself and talked to a number of my BBC colleagues with wide experience of recording and collectively we are very puzzled and we can't offer any simple clear explanation. Could there be some sort of technical explanation, some reason how these sounds might have got onto the tape? There are certain possibilities. The tape itself could have had a previous recording on it, but I understand that this, in fact, was uh, a new piece of tape, so this is unlikely. Um, it is possible that these noises could have been recorded from outside. Um, I think that this is not possible because I understand uh, the building has a nine-inch brick wall, and although certain sounds could come in, these are too clear and metallic, I think, to have been recorded from outside. We can rule out any internal noises generated in the recorder itself. There's no fault condition known to me in the recorder that would generate um, uh, this kind of thing. I think we can say that these noises have been definitely recorded through the recorder microphone onto the machine. We confirmed with Peter Clark that a brand new roll of tape had been used. So there was no possibility of a previous recording breaking through. We asked him if they did any further investigation on the site. Yes, well, we, we held a seance there with a, a medium, and uh, he went into trance and produced this, this dead airman, the voice of a dead airman. It was, it was extraordinary, really, because his, his face was all sort of twisted up, and he seemed to have difficulty in breathing. Leave us your name. Uh, no, no. Uh, no. Leave us your name. Give us your name. Can you give us your name? Wiley. Wiley. Now this was quite remarkable. For after a couple of months, we contacted a local newspaper. And upon checking the files, it turned out there was an airman called Wiley who'd committed suicide on the aerodrome during the last war. Our investigation also showed that the aerodrome had been haunted for many years, and this was not just an isolated incident. In recent years, a man attending one of the construction industry courses had his bedclothes pulled off him at night by some invisible being. Another had his curtains torn down and thrown across the room and a senior engineer told us that he'd been tapped on the shoulder three times while working in the attic of the officer's mess. And yet, there was nobody else up there at the time. The experience so unnerved him, he refused to work there again. And yet another man claimed he saw a figure in RAF uniform walk through a solid wall which had been erected since the end of the last war. He was so frightened, he refused to complete his course and left the following day. The record shows that one of the windows located near the officer's mess is continually being broken. Yet, there seems to be no logical reason why this happens. As the experts say, if the construction industry glazers cannot replace the windows properly, then nobody can. 
but that window seems reluctant to remain intact. During our investigation, we questioned many members of the staff. And the more we probed, the more stories we unearthed. It seemed common knowledge that strange events were continually taking place at Bircham Newton. There was the case of the radiators in the officer's mess being turned off in the middle of the night. The stopcock was located in a bedroom in a recess in the wall, and in order to get to it, a cover held in place by six brass screws had to be removed. The cover plate was hidden behind a wardrobe. It seems unlikely that anybody would take the trouble to move the wardrobe, find a screwdriver and remove the six screws in order to turn the water off. And yet, this happened four nights running during cold winter weather. The psychic sounds you've heard were broadcast on the Jack DiMagno program by the BBC. And as a result, a large number of listeners wrote in. Among the letters received were several from people who'd been stationed at the aerodrome during the last war. And it seemed that even then strange things took place. One man stated that it was common knowledge that the ghost of an airman was frequently seen about the place. It also seems to have been an unlucky aerodrome to be stationed at. In the early part of the war, the American Air Force moved in, and they mounted their first daylight raid over France from Bircham Newton. They dispatched 13 aircraft, but not one of them ever returned. Among the letters the BBC received were a number from pet owners who said that their animals had reacted very strangely to the psychic sounds from the squash court. Some said their dogs and cats showed signs of fear. It seems almost unbelievable that a cat or a dog could sense something abnormal in a radio broadcast. They couldn't have understood the dialogue as human beings would, so what upset them? We know that dogs can hear higher frequency sounds than human beings, but it's highly unlikely that these high frequencies could be reproduced on the average domestic radio set. This raised the question that if the tape was broadcast for a second time, would the animals react again? It was decided to try an experiment, and one of the local British radio stations agreed to cooperate and broadcast the sounds. The animals obliged for the second time, and many listeners wrote to the station to confirm this. One little girl explained that she had two dogs, and they both reacted. Gillian, so your dogs, tell me what happened when your dogs heard the noise. You've got two, haven't you? An old station and a mongrel. What did a mongrel do when it heard these ghost noises? Went under the cupboard. So it heard the noises and shot away and hid itself in fright. Yeah. And what happened to the old station? Our old station, she looked up to the radio and her fur went straight up. So it had some effect on her as well? Yeah. The Bircham Newton story created great interest in many quarters. And shortly after it was broadcast, BBC Television took an interest in it. They decided to do their own investigation, and we were invited to join them at the aerodrome. They arrived accompanied by two prominent members of a leading British spiritualist society. When we first visited the squash courts, they entered the left one, and, after a brief look round, declared that there was nothing abnormal about the place. But as soon as they entered the right-hand court, they became excited, and claimed that it held a presence although they didn't know that this was the one where the tape had been recorded and the ghost had materialised. It certainly did have an atmosphere, and compared with the left court, it was frightfully cold. And when we left the building a few minutes later, they commented on this. 
but they also claimed they'd both sensed the spirit of a dead airman in the building. One of the spiritualists was a very well-known and trusted medium, the late John Sutton. He told us there was a lot of psychic power being generated in the building, and he decided to go back inside again to meditate. But as soon as we entered the squash court, he was entranced, apparently by this dead airman. We did an accident. We did an accident. Save you, yes. Yes, we will, we're here to save you. Tell us. I can hear you, yes. Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. Fire. The plane caught fire. And it crashed. Yes. Where, where did it crash? Do you remember? Dear? Near. Near here. Church? Near the church? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Oh, right. we've got that. Dusty Miller. Dusty Miller. Dusty Miller. Uh, Dusty Miller. Uh. Pat Sullivan. Pat Sullivan. Yes. Jerry Arnold? Jerry Arnold. Jerry Arnold. Help us. Help us. Help us. What can we do? Well, you know, you know, can you hear me? You know you've left the earth behind. In the plane you died. Do you remember that? But look up. Don't be afraid. Let go of the earth. Let go of the earth. You understand? If you don't belong here, yes, look up. Ask for help. Upwards. And go towards the light. But you're holding yourself down. And tell that to Jerry, to Dusty, and to Pat Sullivan. John Sutton explained that while he was entranced, he learned that the three airmen had all been keen squash players, and the courts had become a sort of mecca for them. He told us that they'd made a pact that if anything should ever happen to them, they'd try to meet up again in this building. He also told us that they'd been burnt to death in a crash when their aircraft, an Avro Anson, had crashed behind a church which had a tower but no steeple. 
He thought the church must be somewhere in the vicinity, but as he'd never visited the area before, he couldn't confirm the actual location. He explained to us that very often people do not realize what has happened when they die, because they feel quite normal, but they find that they cannot communicate with the living. Their sense of time is quite different, and they don't measure it as we do. He said that these three airmen had been held earthbound at Bircham Newton because they had no idea they'd been killed in that crash. He was quite convinced that the psychic happenings around the aerodrome were the result of their attempts to try and draw attention to themselves, for they desperately needed help. Towards the end of the seance, John Sutton's features seemed to change, and he took on the appearance of an old man. This, we were told later, was his spirit guide manifesting. This is help. God bless you. And you, my children, I give thanks for the help which you have given my medium and those on this side of life. Are they all right now? They are at this time Good. now being helped. Good. And it has been almost 30 years that this help has been sought for. And at last, they can now be happy. Yes, you will hear of no more disturbances. And should you hear of any such stories, then you will know indeed that this is but the person's own mind. I give thanks to you all for the help that you have given. We're pleased to do it. God bless you. God bless you. As to whether or not the medium was controlled by a spirit guide, we should probably never know. However, we were quite certain that John Sutton had never visited Bircham Newton before, and we were astonished to find out during a later investigation that an RAF Anson did crash in flames behind Bircham Church, killing the crew of three. And what is more remarkable is that Bircham Church has a tower but no steeple, although the majority of the churches in the area all have steeples. We would very much like to check the names given in this seance, but unfortunately, government regulations will not allow us access to the aerodrome logbooks and records. For the time being, these three names must unfortunately remain in limbo. But the spiritualists were quite certain that from this moment onwards, the psychic happenings would cease. But did they? Unknown to us, the Jack DeManio radio program decided to send a reporter down to Bircham Newton to make a further investigation. And they chose a lady called Rita Dando, who had her feet very much on the earth. She arrived at the aerodrome later the same day. But as we'd already left, we didn't have an opportunity to meet her. And so she was not aware that in theory, the hauntings had ceased. She interviewed some of the staff of the training board and then arranged to borrow the squash court key with the intention of spending part of the night in the building. She was accompanied by a lady friend, and to make certain that nobody could pull their legs, they'd locked themselves into the building. She was quite convinced there must be a natural explanation for the psychic happenings, but she was in for a nasty shock. was the sound of the locked door flying open and slamming shut, which she recorded from inside the squash court. She said that this happened three times, despite the fact that the catch was down. 
There was no way that door could have been opened from the outside. And of course, she had the only key to the building with her. Apart from her friend, there were no other human beings in the place. She then attempted to make a recording of the atmosphere inside the building, but her tape recorder refused to function, a thing which has never happened before, and no matter what she did, she couldn't make it operate. Somewhat shaken, the two ladies returned to their hotel, only to find that the tape recorder was now working perfectly again. We have no explanation to offer for these events. All we can say is that they happened exactly as you've heard. There have been many theories put forward to account for the noises. They range from sounds of birds to practical jokers. But the most popular one is that the building itself created the sounds due to temperature changes. But the experts of the Construction Industry Training Board investigated this possibility and found that at the time when the sounds occurred, the building temperatures would have stabilised. And although they tried to repeat the experiment by leaving tape recorders running inside, they only succeeded in picking up the natural ambience of the place. And this sound in no way resembled the recordings you've heard on this tape. Could it be then that we've been privileged to establish contact with the dead? The location of the squash courts could certainly add to this theory, for adjacent to the buildings were the original mess huts dating back to the 1418 war, the hospital and the mortuary. This is Pure West Radio, across Pembrokeshire, 24 hours a day.
stars fall silent from your eyes All the sights that I have seen I can't believe that I believed I wish that you could see There's a new planet in the solar system Nothing up my sleeve I'm pushing an elephant up the stairs I'm tossing up punchlines that were never there Over my shoulder a piano falls Crashing to the ground In all this talk of time Talk is fine
Just stop.